and welcome everybody to episode seven of the SMB podcast, where we discuss all things related to the security and maturity and best practices for your small and medium business, or the SMB for your SMB, as we like to say. Uh, I'm your co-host, Mark Gibson, alongside my friend and business partner, Mike Almeida. Mike, how are things for you? The dog days of summer are here, Mark, and I'm excited because I like summer. It's a good time, and I'm, I'm even more excited because we get to have our first guest today, and I have the honor and privilege of introducing her. So, uh, please welcome my friend, Brittany Homer-Time. I've known Brittany for 16 years. We were young military officers together in the Army way back in the day. And since then, Brittany's gone on to do some amazing things. She is a part of a Fortune 20 company and is the Director of Cybersecurity for Cardinal Health. And I'm gonna allow her to just give a little bit of background about herself before we really dive into today's topic. So Brittany, welcome. Thanks guys, thanks for having me. Um, so first of all, I'm gonna throw out that, that the neighbor is mowing, so that may or may not um, be something that you guys get to enjoy. Um, but as Mikey mentioned, um, I kind of started off my IT career in the Army, um, did that for about 10 years. During probably the last half of that, I started to get interested in security. Um, figuring out what that meant. Um, there's so many routes you can go in security. So I got my master's while I was still in the Army in cybersecurity. And then moving from there, I went to work at AMC Theaters where I led their information security program um, and kind of developed it from ground zero. It was very interesting to kind of be in an organization where you move your security program for a more compliance-based um, to actually a, a holistic security program. Then from there, I've transitioned to Cardinal Health, which is where I'm at now. Um, Cardinal Health is a, is a beast. It's a huge company. Um, I am over cyber operations. So you can think of this as any kind of operational or tactical type of security um, in this space. It's been a lot of fun and security is always a ride. That's awesome. Now I know I know most of our guests are in the small business space. Probably wondering why are we bringing somebody on here, who who is in a very large enterprise company. But as you know, uh, my business partner Mark takes a lot of pride in cybersecurity. It's a it's a very big part of our business model. So, Mark, what are what is your take on why we are bringing an enterprise expert to talk about cybersecurity for our SMB listeners? I think uh, primarily it offers a, uh, a a different perspective on what's a uh, a shared concept, though, right? I mean, cybersecurity is a uh, the the current landscape is a threat, no matter what type of industry or uh, business size you're in. And um, you know, as we've talked about some of these concepts, we see them really more just from the SMB side. But I thought it would be good as a compare and contrast to to really get some perspective from somebody who is, you know, a bit more of a heavy hitter at the, that enterprise level and talk about, hey, you know, really those concepts, they translate from one side to the other. Uh, and, you know, kind of what does that look like? And so um, I'm hoping that, uh, we're not hoping, I know Brittany's going to give us some, some great guidance as we go through this and, and really help us understand um, where, those, um, where those topics align. Awesome. So I guess just to kind of kick this off, Brittany, uh, when you think of compliance versus security, what are the type of threat landscapes that you see on your end of the world 
that you think should be relevant to small, medium business side owners? Sure. So um, first, let's let's kind of talk a little bit about the difference between um, a compliance-based approach versus a security-based approach. Generally, um, whenever a business is going in to get audited, uh, you're aware you have to get various type of certifications. Um, generally, for you know a PCI compliance or a HIPAA type of compliance, um, something in that world requires you to meet a certain standard. And generally, in those certain standards are a few security requirements that you have to get after. Um, to me, these are these are kind of checklist items. And they're not a bad thing. They are certainly there for a reason, uh, but they don't really take a holistic approach. Um, and it's not looking at your entire environment and how those controls apply to your organization. And that's what you start to do when you take a holistic approach. I think one of the things as we start to think about, well, what does this look like is your threat landscape. Um, who's attacking you? How are they attacking you? And, and what's important to them? Um, the most common way that, that you will probably interact with a threat actor is through a phishing campaign. Um, these are generally not a lot of effort. Um, it's something that they can pay someone else to do, um, and then it's an easy return. So you can see these in a bunch of different ways. Um, for your business, they may come through email. Uh, I've also seen a lot of people get targeted through LinkedIn. Um, so they'll reach out to them on LinkedIn, pretending to be someone else and, and trying to get information. Um, LinkedIn is also a great tool to utilize to fish you because um, you can see who your boss is, who you've worked with, with in the past, um, and what you do for the company. So as you're looking at emails and you're reading them, um, keep that in mind because threat actors do go out, they do research, um, and they use that information to make their emails to you a little bit more believable. So generally, that's the most common way that you're going to be attacked, um, and it's usually the most successful way of being attacked. Uh, Brittany, Another real quick, thing, I just want to—I want to—I want to. I'm sorry, I wanted to say something. Uh, what you just said is so important. That actually happened to Mark and I, or an attempt earlier. It seemed like a legitimate person for a very large utility company in our area had the right name, knew our business, had the name. But when we did our due diligence, something just didn't smell right, and we wind up finding out getting the real contact and when we reach out to the individual he's like yeah that's not me someone must be trying to spoof you and so uh, what you're saying there's a lot of merit to that because most people don't realize a lot of this public information it's open source right so it's easy for people to see that and depending on how good they are with social engineering can make it even easier to to steal from you yeah and and i want to just have a call out there too you guys did the exact right thing um if there's something that feels a little bit off do not respond to the email. Um, reach out through a secondary means and contact that individual where whether it's like calling the phone number, which is not the one you got on the email. Um, <laughs> Google it or look in your phone if you happen to have it in your phone um, and touch base with them saying, hey, is, is this you? Uh, that's, that's the correct way to go about it. So kudos to you guys. I give Mark all the credit for that one. He's the one that made that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, there's a rule of thumb of any time where you're you're feeling pressured, um, be it they're going to release information or they want you to do something in a hurry, any kind of email where you're getting some kind of pressure uh, should generally raise a red flag for you because what they're trying to do is 
circumvent um, security policies that you normally have in place that are people policies, right? They're not like yeah. hardcore technology controls that you have a hard time getting around. It's just normally you contact someone and they're asking you to do something more quickly. Yep. So moving from there, um, after phishing, if you have a business that's externally facing, meaning you have a website that's out there, um, I think during COVID, if you didn't already have a website or a way to um, take orders online, you quickly spun up one. Right. Uh, <laughs> it really caused us to really get out there and in the face of the customer um, and started to create processes about how we do that, right? Um, that did not go unnoticed. And this has kind of been a trend that's that's continuing to grow and grow as we move into the virtual world. Um, our web-based vulnerabilities. So what they're doing is there's constant scanners that are going out over the internet, um, pinging everything and pulling information. Um, the same thing is happening with these scanners that are looking for vulnerabilities, specifically in web applications. So that way they can infiltrate your business through your website, essentially. Um, there are a lot of different organizations that you can use to test for that. Um, if in some of your compliance requirements, you may get a compliance requirements for phishing, uh, I'm sorry, for pen testing. That's something that you could use to do that. Um, unfortunately for small and medium businesses, sometimes this is really hard to get after, especially if you're doing any kind of development, um, because this does take tools and time to get through there. Um, and to be honest, it can hinder your development lifecycle and your productivity. So once you get good at it, you're fine. But I mean, the buildup is, is a bit difficult. So if you can utilize things like pen testing during your normal compliance requirements, uh, do that. Then the next thing I guess I want to talk about is what's actually happening on your network. So if you're able to understand who you're talking to, um, meaning what systems are talking to what, you may be able to figure out when something is no longer behaving like it should. Um, or maybe there's a user that generally doesn't have access your HR database, and now they are. Um, those are kind of just inside normal activity that you can start to look for and hunt for. Um, if you're a small or medium business, you probably don't have the in-house staff to do this, but this is where I would suggest you reach out to your MDR, your MSSP, um, to really help you start to look at that activity um, because that's what they're going to be able to find for you um, when something is, is not going or is not responding like it normally would. So I'm going to throw that back to, to Mikey and Mark. I mean, that was a lot of information I just yeah. threw out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a lot. Two, two thoughts that came to mind there. Uh, as you mentioned, initially the phishing and the web-based vulnerabilities, I'll put those together. The, the um, I think something that, that <clears throat> I'm speaking from the small business uh, perspective here that, that goes I don't know, unknown or unlearned or isn't focused on that much from a, a decision maker perspective is how much effort is being put into uh, a cyber attack 
from the attackers. Uh, you mentioned the level of research that they're doing, the level of scanning they're doing, that these are largely organizations that are professional <laughs> at breaching networks and that um, they're doing a lot of work on it. I, you know, whenever there's you know sort of this attack versus defense thing, I think a lot of in sports, right? And there's uh, when you talk about somebody making a great play, whether it's to score or to defend, you know, the response that is usually, hey, that guy's getting paid too, right? <laughs> it's not like he's not working at his craft to be better mm -hmm. at what he's doing, and that's um, that is not happening a lot in the small business space unless you have, you know, recognized the need for that and the value of that and have engaged someone. As you mentioned, you largely won't have that person in-house and that you need to, to work with a partner who's gonna be able to help you with those things. Um, and then the second part of it, which kind of dovetails on having a partner is the level of visibility and knowledge you need to have about your network to understand what's happening there. I mean, I, the difference between cyber and physical is almost always visibility, right? I mean, uh, when, when I'm talking to uh, you know, non-security professionals, the cyber stuff is almost invisible to them, right? You just, you push a button on a computer and it does some stuff in the background and you get your end result and there's not a whole lot of understanding about the, the steps that take place there. And because you don't understand the steps, you don't also understand the vulnerabilities uh, and how much is happening behind the scenes. Um, and that's where, you know, um, you know, a partner does come into play. And I guess, um, you know what I'm what I'm really trying to highlight there is that uh, it's that's some preparation stuff that has to take place, right? It's not something that you can do after the fact. You don't bring that in after you've been attacked. You need to really have that already in place, uh, you know, before uh, you know event X happens. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you um, the <laughs> we'll call it the bad guy network. Uh, <laughs> they're really a capitalist market. Uh, no, no. They 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 compete with one another on who's got the best information. Um, these entities that are going out and scanning and pulling in information, generally they're pulling in information so they can sell it to someone who can then attack with it. Um, this isn't just like one guy going out to do all of these things. Everybody specializes in a piece of the pie to make an attack happen. And then you have the actors that will you know, pay for this information and then you pay them to actually conduct the attack. And it's, I mean, it's it's impressive just the amount of communication that happens. Um, there's help desk that are set up. So if for some reason you can't get your attack off your ground, we're here to help you. Um, and that's all for good reason, right? You're paying yeah. them to do a service. And if they don't do that service for you, they're losing money. And I mean, your reputation is everything in that world, right? That's literally the only thing you have. Um, because 12 other people are right behind you in line to give you the same service, it, uh, maybe business. for cheaper, faster. Right. Yeah. It's a business with a service end of the day. Like you said, it, and, and there are competitors within that space and it's a finite market, uh, in terms of, uh, or zero sum game, I guess you could say in terms of the customers that you can attract. Yeah, um, ab absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let me ask this, um, Brittany, uh, you know, aside from say scale and budget, uh, you know, how would you differentiate cybersecurity at the enterprise level from, uh, say, the small business level, if at all? Uh, I mean, are there things that don't apply, uh, you know, in small business? Uh, a lot of the times, you know, the conversations I have with small business owners, it's, it's 
you know, the question is, hey, well, one, I'm not going to be a target, so I don't have to worry about it. Or it's, hey, uh, you know, we don't have resources for that. But, you know, at some point it becomes maybe you just have to prioritize those resources based on the level of uh, sort of severity and priority and urgency and so forth. But are there things that, that um, you know, don't translate? Yeah. Um, so I think generally across the board, we all have the same kind of requirements. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're just trying to protect our company. What I kind of, if you think about the functions of different organizations, um, people are focused on different things. They have different um, key assets that they're looking to protect. But I will tell you that everyone's kind of connected. Um, at some point as a security professional, I have to look at my business and say, I don't need to be Fort Knox. I, I just need to be secured to the level that's Yep. that I need to be secured at. So with that, I mean, larger organizations do have different requirements. They do require a little bit of um, maybe some additional controls um, that maybe a small business wouldn't. But on that same point, um, I think a lot of people forget that small businesses are what are utilized sometimes to carry out attacks as well as test right. attacks. Yep. Um, generally, if I have a smaller business that is that that does some work for me, so maybe it's a janitorial service, um, maybe it is someone that just kind of helps me with the taxes or whatever, right? Um, the best way to get into my business is through a trusted party, and so that's what they attack. They know if I go after the bank, it's going to be hard breaking down the bank walls. But if I can be the janitor walking into the bank, that makes life a lot easier. I'm now a trusted entity. Um, and I know that's a, a physical example, but that's the same thing that happens in the virtual world. We take advantage of less armored targets to help us get through the door. Um, and generally that's what happens with small businesses. Unfortunately, um, if they're able to get in there, cleaning houses is usually pretty easy to do. Um, and where a big business can sometimes bounce back um, because they're able to quickly respond, small businesses have a hard time doing that. Um, and sometimes businesses are lost just from that capability. Yeah, um, you touched on a couple things there. I, you know, and I think the stat is like 60% of small businesses that uh, suffer a successful cyber attack close within six months of that attack. So you're, you're right, I mean, they, they're less resilient you know, after the fact. Uh, and then the, the other part of what you're talking about there, that trusted relationship and party for, you know, vendors, you know, as a gateway into larger targets. Uh, you know, we did our, our uh, episode last uh, time on vendor due diligence and sort of defining the criteria that you need to, when you're choosing those partners. And so that, but that goes, it's a two way street, right? The idea that um, just because your network is secure you are giving we're so interconnected these days that you're just you're giving legitimate access to people that you have to be able to make sure that they're meeting the same bar of security and so uh that's where i see some of that really coming into play for um you know small businesses is almost even as a competitive advantage that says hey we're able to you know develop relationships with larger clients because we are playing in that space and can be you know, more trusted and more secure than, say, the average small business. Um, and so that's where some, you know, there's potential return on investment and, uh, you know, the cybersecurity piece of it. 
I think, um, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, from my perspective, um, identity management or, you know, identity access management has been a big piece of how things have developed over the last, you know, several years. Uh, and really, as there's been more of a move to the cloud, that's become the edge of the network, right? Mm -hmm. It used to be sort of the castle and moat, and you worry about your, you know, your own physical location. But now, as everybody's moving outside of that, it's how do you define those perimeters? Um, and I assume that looks pretty similar for you as it does in our space. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so you you touched on it, right? This this analogy of um, we used to talk about defense in depth where you have the, you know, the castle and the, the key assets are in the middle. Um, and then you have the castle walls and then you have the moat. And it, so it kind of just creates this barrier out and out. Um, I mean, really cloud came and said, hey, we're gonna unite all, all the castles, right? We're gonna create a bridge and have a sky cloud and we're all gonna meet there. Um, and so when that happened, your identity is kind of came to the forefront there, right? So how are we going to allow you access into these sensitive things that we have? And that's gonna be through your identity. Um, so as we've kind of moved forward, we've seen technology really kind of push there as well, right? When we went remote, um, we had to focus on the endpoint and that's increased, increased, increased where we're not just looking at malware anymore, we're looking at, you know, endpoint detection and response, things that are looking at what's going on in your system and responding um, based off of maybe an, an anomaly that hasn't happened. Um, when you start talking about access, once again, this is your identity, you start to see these multi-factor requirements pop up. I would encourage you, if you're not having multi-factor on your LinkedIn account, on your Facebook, um, that you you take advantage of it because really that's that may be the one thing that keeps someone to get access to your account. Um, I know in small businesses, generally, and I mean this is people in general, we all have so many passwords that we're required <laughs> to to remember, right? And um, and we use the same one or a variant of one. You know, just put an extra exclamation point at right. the end. Um, <laughs> maybe add a number, usually two digits. Um, but those are all variants that attackers know. We know, we have password crackers. It doesn't take me much to run through it. Um, have yourself a, a passphrase that's about 12 characters or more uh, that you're actually using. And step two, if you can have different passwords for all of those, even better. But step three, um, I would encourage everyone to get a password vault. Essentially what this does is it will go through um, and randomize everything for you. You only have to remember one password and that's to get into your vault. Um, and then the vault takes care of the rest. So I do not remember what any of my passwords are. I know that they're 20 something characters and gobbledygook, um, but, but that's about it. And I don't have to remember anything. That's, that's the best part. I don't have to remember a thing. I don't have to write anything down. Um, I have one set of keys to, to rule the kingdom. Um, so that would be my advice uh, to use something like that so you can share passwords safely in a secure way. Um, I generally don't like to promote sharing of passwords, um, but it is something that happens, especially in a small business. Yeah. 
Um, so if you have a requirement where you have to do that, a password vault is a, a cheap way to go about that. Um, do that securely and you can remove access. So after your people leave, a lot of times we have we don't remember to go back and remove access to start cleaning up our network. Um, but those password vaults will be able to quickly say, okay, we're going to remove access from this individual now. And by the way, let's go ahead and change the password for everybody. Yeah. So one other area that, um, <clears throat> I don't know, I think I find, uh, again, within small business, primarily that I'm curious your, your approach or, or thoughts on, uh, typically cybersecurity is viewed as like a technology problem. Right. Hey, let's mm -hmm. let's buy a tool. Let's you know put this in place, and that'll solve all our issues. Uh, my perspective on that is that that's probably maybe about twenty five percent of the issue. Like technology is, uh, people in process are really the remainder. Um, and so, um, you know, how much does policy uh, development or procedure development and or the the requisite training that kind of goes with that for users play a role in uh, defense from your perspective? So I'm trying to think of a great analogy and I don't have a great <laughs> one, but I have an okay one. Um, so we're gonna roll with it. Um, you know, if you have a requirement um, to drive to the store, uh, the tool that's gonna get you there is the vehicle. So you purchase a vehicle. Um, it was a lot of money, you invested in it. By the way, you've now purchased the vehicle so you can check that off your compliance list. Um, but is that vehicle able to get you to the store? Do you know how to drive the vehicle? Um, are you certified on that vehicle? There's a lot of other steps. It's, it's not just having the vehicle. Um, you have to know how to operate the vehicle. You have to know when the check engine light comes on and what's going on there. You need to have your regular maintenance. Um, these are, if you think about a security tool, the exact same thing that's happening. I'm going to buy the tool and I'm going to check that compliance list. Um, but then is it functional? Is it getting the information it needs to make good decisions? Is it, sometimes you can put it on monitor and never block. So is it actually working? You can monitor all day long, um, but maybe you're, you're not blocking what you need to. Do you have the right people that are trained on it that can actually utilize that tool for you? So it's not it's not just the tool. It's not just the car. Um, it's maintaining it, keeping it up and making sure that it's it's functioning in the way that you want it to achieve that end goal. Right. Because mm -hmm. um, you can certainly check the box and that's going to get you through your compliance, but isn't achieving the goal that you set out to do. Right. If you were to uh... And, and cybersecurity is so broad, but if you were to uh, try to focus on maybe just two or three areas um, where you think you'd get the most bang for your buck, so to speak, wh where would you direct someone? Oh my goodness. So this is, this is if, if you look on security stuff, um, this is probably the number one thing on the list, but something that we are the worst at. Um, is just asset management. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what you have, you cannot defend it. Um, and it's such a hard thing to do. It is it's the absolute hardest thing to do because you're constantly updating, you're constantly issuing a new computer or getting a new one, or um, you're changing out firewall rules or firewalls, or you're working on something. But that is the absolute hardest thing to do is to keep an accurate inventory of what you have 
um, so that way you can protect it. After that, um, if you can get after fishing, uh, <laughs> it seems like such a, a basic thing, but just if you can get after, if there was one security thing that you could go after, dang it, it's fishing and endpoint are the two biggest ones. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Mark, okay. I, I want to ask you, your, based on what we talked about today, closing thoughts. Uh, well, one, first let me uh, say thank you to Brittany for taking some time to, to come and, and discuss this with us. It's been, it's been great um, to you know, get additional perspective um, and I think that, um, you know, maybe one of my key takeaways is that cybersecurity is only partially about budget. I think, um, Brittany, you'd probably agree with me in saying that nobody ever thinks they have enough budget for their cybersecurity, <laughs> regardless of the size of the organization. Um, and uh, that it, it's a hard um, <clears throat> it's a hard thing to be able to secure your networks well, but it's also an important thing. And you you mentioned earlier in the um, in the show that you know it's not necessarily always about having perfect cybersecurity. Uh, there's guys on the other side that are making decisions about who their targets are as well, and some of that is based on the level of effort they need to expend uh, to make those attacks. And you know the old the old adage, right? I don't have to be faster than the bear; I just have to be faster than you. Uh, <laughs> sort of comes to mind a lot as well. And so it's about making smart investments in your in your cybersecurity. And that's, that's why I think, uh, you know, Brittany, your perspective on, on kind of where to focus and, and what those trends look like is uh, is great. So um, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's where I would say today is kind of boiled us down to. Awesome. And I'll definitely say, uh, again, I echo Mark's sentiment. Brittany, thank you so much for, for joining us. We definitely appreciate your expertise and insight on this. The one thing that, that my major takeaway, and, and I think you guys did a great job talking about this, is the folks who are on the other side of cybersecurity, our adversaries, treat it like a business. And so uh, you as a small, medium-sized business owner, if you don't have a skill set or you don't think cybersecurity is that important, or maybe you just don't understand it, either A, educate yourself on it, or B, partner with somebody who has a good set of knowledge on it because you don't want to be on a battlefield with a knife when your enemy has a machine gun. And so uh, as, as time goes along, as we continue to grow in technology, cybersecurity is not going away. It is not going away, as a matter of fact. It's probably going to get more robust and, and a lot more requirements, and resiliency is going to be required as time goes along. So again, Brittany, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the SMB podcast. Uh, thank you to our listeners for joining Mark and myself. Uh, if we've been able to provide any value or you just like hearing our voices, please share this with your network, rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, and definitely join us for our next episode because we will once again be having another special guest. So take care, have a great day.